Welcome to another episode of Alt Swift X, where we drink and we know things. Because today we are reading the first Tyrion chapter, the chapter that introduces us to Tyrion Lannister. And the chapter begins with a description of Winterfell, the great stone maze of Winterfell, and a wolf howling. So Tyrion right now is reading some books. It's almost morning. He's been reading all night. Uh, and he's he's been reading some century-old book about the changing of the seasons. So Tyrion is quite into sort of academia, sort of fusty old books about the old mysteries and histories and such. That's kind of an interest of Tyrion's, which doesn't appear much in the show. Tyrion isn't shown to be much of a reader, but in the books it's emphasised that he does love reading and learning, a bit like Samuel Tully. Uh, so anyway, he's, he's, he's been reading and he's hearing this wolf howling and there's this sort of background of this sort of ominous, mysterious, mis mystical Winterfell stuff. Uh, but he's having a read and he's sort of done reading, so he decides to sort of stand up and go, and it talks about his his legs that are stiff and sore and twisted and bent because he's a dwarf. His, his body is inferior and, and messed up in all these ways, and so it's painful and uncomfortable for him. And this is sort of repeated throughout this chapter and many in the future. There's always this underlying sort of discomfort for Tyrion. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, uh, he talks to a maester who's there at the sort of Winterfell library and blah, blah, blah. Um, and Tyrion goes outside into the morning and he encounters uh, everyone's favourite doggo, Sandor Clegane, uh, who, <laughs> who makes a callous remark about Bran Stark, who is currently bedridden and crippled, all fucked up in 15 different ways after falling from the broken tower, and Sandor makes a comment saying, I wish he'd bloody hurry up dying. Um, and then Joffrey, the good Prince Joffrey, everyone's favourite monarch Joffrey, uh, makes a similarly callous comment saying, well, you know, at least... Bran dies quietly. The bloody wolf, Bran's wolf Summer, is making a lot of noise because Bran's direwolf Summer has been howling all night uh, while Bran has been bedridden, uh, which has been disturbing the people of Winterfell. But of course, it also alludes to the sort of mystical connection that the direwolves have with the Stark children. Uh, it's emphasised quite a lot throughout this chapter. Uh, but what's being emphasised right now is that Sandor Clegane and Joffrey, quote-unquote, Baratheon, are cunts. Uh, they're both being set up as really pretty uh, complete twats in most sense. Quite irredeemable is how they sort of seem. Joffrey, of course, kind of stays that way. We only really hate Joffrey more as time goes on. Sandor, on the other hand, we do learn a lot more about as a character. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine now, though, when he's just this sort of brutal warrior making these rude, unpleasant, harsh comments. 
Uh, and then Tyrion comes in and he sort of sets sets his nephew Joffrey to rights uh, by sort of telling him not to be rude and a prick. And Sandor sort of makes fun of him. Sandor, Sandor the Hound uh, sort of goes, oh, mm, he does some slapstick. He's like, who's talking there? Who? And he does this sort of dumb joke where he, where he's pretending that he can't see Tyrion because Tyrion's so short. And Joffrey and Sandor's like, oh, is it a ghost talking? I can't see who's talking. And it's which is kind of a goofy moment um you can see why they didn't include that in the show i guess but yeah sandor apparently sort of regularly makes a mockery of Tyrion in a sort of goofy way um when yeah he doesn't do that stuff in the show um so they sort of chop some banter around and the point is that um Tyrion is telling joffrey yo joffrey you need to go express your concern over 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 Bran's condition to the Starks and Joffrey's like, Oh, but I'm fucking Joffrey and I don't give a flying fuck. Uh, and Tyrion's like, Here's your flying fuck and he slaps him across the face which is done like word for word in the show and then Joffrey's like, Oh, but I still don't give a fuck and then Tyrion fucking backhands him across the fucking princely jaw. Uh and Tyr- and and Joffrey the little shit just sort of oh, I'm going to tell mother and and runs away and whatever. Um <laughs> which yeah, is quite satisfying. We haven't known Joffrey long, but it's already quite satisfying to see a little bit of physical violence, a little bit of child abuse, a little bit of princely child abuse, uh, is, is always some good fun at this point. Um, so yeah, that, that happens, uh, and then, and then Joffrey runs off and then Tyrion sort of addresses the Hound, and the Hound is looming over Tyrion, a great black shadow. Um, and we get this nice little description of Sandor, like we mentioned Sandor's, uh, helmet, his Hound face-shaped helmet, fearsome to behold, uh, but Tyrion thinks that the helmet is an improvement over Clegane's hideously burned face, uh, which, you know, in, in some ways kind of sums up Sandor right there, right? Like, Sandor internally is burned, he is wounded, he is in pain, he has suffered, but he puts over his pain a snarling, cruel, harsh face, a visage, a, a veil to hide his pain, uh, and to instead put out an aggression to mask his inner self. That's kind of Sandor's thing, as we come to learn later. It's, uh, I think, a quite a effective and pretty uh, symbolism. His helmet, his hound-snarling helmet. Uh, but anyway, Sandor says, "Oh, the prince will remember you slapping him around like a little bitch, little Tyrion boy." And and Tyrion's like, "Oh, I hope that he does." But of course, Joffrey does indeed remember Tyrion's slaps, um, and abuses him for much of the rest of the series. Um, and and Tyrion not only sort of is defiant to Joffrey, but he also makes a. a, a contemptuous comment towards Sandor. Tyrion, I mean, he, I mean, his whole thing is that he's this tiny, stunted little dwarf man uh, who uses his high status as a way of lording it over everyone else. Um, he, he is quite sort of rude to a lot of people in a very clever way, I'm sure. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's very likable. Tyrion's very likable, but you've got to admit that he's quite... Uh, he's not very nice to a lot of people. Um, and I don't think you should be let off the hook for doing it cleverly. A clever cunt is a cunt nonetheless. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Jesus said that. 
so anyway, uh, so Tyrion heads off and he goes to have breakfast with his family. Um, he sits at the table with Cersei and Jamie and the children, and Cersei looks at Tyrion with the expression, the same expression of distaste that she's worn at him since the day he was born. Cersei's so unpleasant to Tyrion all the time, uh, is what we learn from this. Whereas Jamie, we're told, is the only the only person who has shown Tyrion the tiniest amount of affection or respect during all the terrible long years of Tyrion's childhood, which is so depressingly sad. Jamie is like the only person in Tyrion's life who has been properly nice to him. Um, and for that reason, Tyrion values his relationship with Jaime enormously and understandably, even though Jaime's a little bit of a twat, especially this early on. Um, uh, and yeah, we also sort of perhaps get a little bit of insight as to why Tyrion is the way he is. In the same way that Sandor wears a mask to disguise his inner pain, Tyrion clearly has suffered through the way people have viewed him throughout his life, and that perhaps explains some of his behaviour with regards to being a clever little, clever little silver-tongued devil imp, is he? Little, little devil imp, is he? Uh, uh, monkey demon, they call him later on, I believe. Uh, and so they, they have breakfast, and there's quite a, quite a long description of food. There's good dark beer and burnt bacon and such. Uh, but at the dinner, at dinner table, they're talking about Bran, who is currently in the process of dying, uh, seems to be. Um... And little Tommen, little Tommen Baratheon expresses, Oh, I don't want Brandon to die. So we get a description of Tommen as a sweet boy, a nice boy. Um, uh, so very different to his parents, Jamie and Cersei. Marcella as well expresses concern, and she too is a sweet girl, unlike unlike Joffrey. Um, so Marcella and, and Tommen seem nice. Uh, and they talk a bit about uh, uh, Brandon Stark, Ned's brother, and how he died, and blah, 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 blah. But Tyrion points out, oh, well, that, that Bran might actually survive. Bran might live. Uh, he might survive the fall from the tower. That's what the maesters say. And then, uh, and then a glance passes between the eyes of Cersei and Jaime, and Tyrion doesn't miss it. Tyrion is sharp. He's perceptive, and he notices that Jamie and Cersei seem to be taking an odd interest uh, in Bran's recovery, uh, which uh, Tyrion is immediately suspicious of. Um, and yeah, descriptions of Marcella and blah blah blah. Um, and uh, and we also have a description of how uh, Bran's wolf. Summer has been has been howling outside the room and all that. And Tyrion specifically notes that uh, that the, the direwolf's been howling through the open window, and it seems to make Bran stronger, the direwolf, because when they shut the window and and chased uh, the wolf away, Bran got weaker. But when the, when the wolf is closer and howling to Bran, Bran gets stronger. So Bran is is definitely exhibiting this mysterious mystical connection with a direwolf that is bonded to him. You also have got to wonder 
perhaps, if there might, be some kind of involvement from Bloodraven, the three-eyed crow, who, of course, has been tinkering around in Brain's little little brain box uh, for some time. Uh, I mean, perhaps not yet, uh, but you've got to wonder if perhaps uh, Bloodraven might be involved in, in, in Summer's behaviour, the direwolf's behaviour, and perhaps in Bran's recovery. Bloodraven has been pulling some strings uh, from his lair far beyond the wall. Um, quite the puppet master is Bloodraven. Uh, and yeah, so we've established that mystical sort of connection thing. And so Cersei and Jamie and the king and Ned and all that, they're all he- going to head south, but Tyrion tells them that he's actually going to stay in the north. He's actually going to f- go further north. He He wants to go check out the wall. So Tyrion is uh, doing a bit of tourism uh, here, uh, Tyrion really has this life of leisure. He does. He he's reading all these books that he finds interesting. He's drinking and eating to his heart's content and making all these wry comments to all the people around him. And now he's going to the wall simply because he wants to piss off the edge of the world. Um, so Tyrion is certainly making the most of his status and his money and having a grand old time. Uh, which is somewhat in contrast to what he experiences later. Uh, so yeah, he tells them that, uh, and um, and Cersei storms off, uh, and Jamie has a chat with Tyrion alone, and and and, and Jamie comments about Bran. Oh, you know, it'd be better if Bran was just put to death. If he if he was just killed, it would be a mercy killing because Bran is crippled. His legs are all fucked up. He's a cripple, uh, a grotesque. You know, give me a good clean death any day, uh, which is a very very potentious statement from Jamie, given that not too far later he is to have his hand chopped off by Vargo Coat, made a sort of a cripple himself, given quite the opposite of a good, clean death, and yet Jamie soldiers on regardless and arguably becomes a far better person for it. Uh, so a sort of ironic foreshadowing there from Jamie. Uh, and of course Tyrion defends uh, cripples, bastards, and broken things. As a grotesque myself, he begs to differ. Uh, he says that death is so very final, while life is full of possibilities. Which is a wonderful line. Tyrion is probably easily the most quotable of Game of Thrones characters. Because uh, he may not be able to run, he may not be able to fight, he may not be able to stand above five feet. But he can issue a scathing or quite insightful line every now and then. Um, and Tyrion makes this sort of loaded comment about, I'd be interested to hear what Bran would have to say if he woke up, because he's noting this suspicion, this suspicious behaviour from Jamie and Cersei, and Jamie kind of acknowledges that, saying, oh, Tyrion, uh, whose side are you on here? So he's kind of admitting that there are sort of secrets and shit at play. Like, Tyrion doesn't know that Jamie pushed Bran out, but he clearly suspects some kind of shenaniganry. The shenaniganry meter is, uh, is approaching... A which is quite high on that particular meter, but he says, "Oh, whose side are you on?" And then Tyrion, he 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 uh, he swallows a, a thing of great black beer and washes it down, and then grins because, of course, we've got to use food as a as a way of communicating this the tone of Tyrion's speech. But the point is that Tyrion's like, "Oh well, you know me. 
You know me. I wouldn't bet against my family. I, you know how much I love my family. And with that, the chapter ends. So that was a cool chapter. We're introduced to Tyrion, who is certainly one of the most likable and interesting of the Game of Thrones characters. He's not a moper like bloody John or Arya, but he does have a difficult past. And he's smart, and he's perceptive, and he notices things that advance the plot, and yet he doesn't know so much as to make things, you know, too boring. And of course, he's a Lannister, and he's involved in the politics of what's going on. He's always very close to the action, Tyrion is. Uh, There's always lots going on in Tyrion chapters, except perhaps for the dance ones where he spends rather a lot of time depressed on a boat, which, you know, we could do in our own time. If we wanted depression, naval depression, I'm sure that could be arranged. Well, yachts, boats are expensive. Look, the point is that 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 was a chapter, that was in a book, Uh, it had some words in it, and I think we enjoyed it. So thank you for listening to this particular episode of Vault Shrift X's Game of Thrones Abridged, uh, and we'll be back soon with more episodes shortly. Cheers.